cool. that's pretty pretty close this time. Yeah. I don't, it doesn't yeah. make a difference whether it's pretty close or not, realistically, but it, it is nice when it is lining up quite well. Yeah, it'll be mm. close when I'm done with it. Oh, wait, yeah. I thought that was some kind of sexy threat, and I was trying to work it out, but no, you were just talking about how editing works. Yeah, pretty much. <laughs> also, sexy threat is not a sentence that you should ever, a phrase that you should ever use, realistically. No. Mm. Anyway... Hello and welcome to an episode of Hey Brew, the podcast about beer and storytelling. My name is Elliot. And my name is Mike. This is the podcast where each week one of us brings a beer and an oft-tangentially related story. Um, once again, messed up the intro. Um, Look, it's man, fine. It, it's on par. It's intro. on par with the rest of them. Yeah. Uh, consistency is the key, even if consistency is inconsistent. Um, yes. Mike... Any exciting stuff going on with you in the world of beers? Um, let me think. Uh, oh, well, I mean, I, I bought that. Um, so Little Bang were doing a an online tasting battle against, I think it's Big Shed was the other one. They were pitching like yeah. two of their beers. So it was like uh, an Imperial Stout and an American Barley Wine. They, they each brought one of each. Um, and yeah, they were doing the, the tasting event last night, uh, online and you and I both bought the four pack to go with that tasting event and both completely spaced that it was on. Um, so I've got those that I, that I am just going to drink at some point now. Um, also the idea of, cause they're all like 10 or 11%, the idea of drinking those along with the event by myself because I live alone, uh, would probably end my life. Yeah, it would have um, been quite hellish. Yeah, so I, was, I wasn't about that uh, at the same time. And also, it was on a Sunday night, so today would have been worse <laughs> had, I, had I done that last night. Well, um, I happen to know someone who decided last night um, that he would just go, um, frigate, I'm just going to get pissed with the missus tonight, and I'll just deal with the consequences tomorrow because we're all working from home. And yep. um, I know that that man has struggled quite a lot today, and um, that yeah, that man was a recent guest on the show. Oh, wow. Okay yeah so it's uh this that episode, is that is the epitome of uh a phrase that someone taught me once about getting drunk but referring to it as borrowing happiness from the next day i like that a lot yeah i really do feel like that's um and i think we've mentioned this before that uh that um popeye wimpy is like i'll pay you today for that's a it. yeah i'll pay you tomorrow for a hamburger today basically it is yeah. it is that uh so so him getting uh drunk last night uh probably sounded like a great idea uh yeah today not so good oh yeah no um, i think he's had a he's had a he had a rough morning that's for certain maybe yeah. he had a lunchtime beer and sorted it out jordan let us know <laughs> here here of the dog um yeah. the the other one i've had uh was from it was a collaboration between six string brewing and uh mr black uh mr black renowned for making a really really fucking good cold brew coffee liqueur Mm. Um, which I will just drink over ice during summer. Uh, it's got like it's got a bit of caffeine in it, but it's just like a really nice kind of cold brew coffee taste in it. Um, but they, yeah, Six String did a um, like coffee milk stout with them. Um, really nice, uh, like just a decent sort of milk stout with like a pretty, pretty decent coffee flavor. It's not super overpowering or anything like that. It's mm-hmm. it's it's a really nice stout. Um, so I got that and had a good time with it. Yeah, I'm into that. That sounds that sounds pretty banging, to be honest. Yeah. Oh, uh, speaking of stout, we um, cracked the keg on the um, 
homebrew stout this weekend. That's gone mm-hmm. very well. Um, affectionately known as Mrs. Stoutfire. Um, very good. I yeah, bet thanks. that's, that's never been done before. It's one of Hobbsies. Um, yeah. I think we looked it up. There's been a couple out there, but um, yeah, we, we were very amused by it. But uh-huh. it went down very well, so much so that um, we've had to limit ourselves to drinking wine glasses, not pint glasses. Well. <laughs> it's, uh, it's knocking on the door of 7%. And, um, yeah, that'll, yeah, that'll sneak up on you. Yeah, I, so this is the problem during ISO, is um, because there's nothing to do, we get to like like mid-afternoon every day of the weekend and just be like just have a few drinks it's like yeah because we're not exactly going to go anywhere or do anything so what happens is basically every monday i feel terrible (laughs) because it's like well i've got no reason to stay sober at the weekend and it's yeah, not for the sake of getting pissed it's because beer tastes nice and it's interesting or wine's delicious and stuff and and all of this could be a a lot of free time in which to uh, drink it at the moment. Yeah. So, yeah, today I feel pretty unremarkable. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. I mean, I'm, I'm right there with you, but it's more just because I often have trouble getting to sleep on a Sunday night. Hmm. And last night was one of those nights. Fair enough, fair enough. So it's, yeah, it's been one of those days. Anyway, uh, enough um, about how bad are Mondays. Uh, <laughs> do you want to get into today's beer before uh, we revert into being a Garfield comic? <laughs> I really do, just on the basis that it also might stave off that how terrible do I feel. Yeah. Um, we have got today um, something which you recommended to me a little while ago, and I, this mm-hmm. isn't on my third can because it's great. And yeah. I can say, when I went back to the, um, the about to say off-license, the bottle shop to go get it, there was only two cans left, and I picked up one, and I was like, I will leave the other for some other enterprising soul because last time I went, there was loads and this time there's two and I was like, shit, maybe it doesn't, they don't have any more. Like that's going to be, yeah, well, I mean, it, it does, it does say special release on the can it does. I'm looking, I'm eyeing it off right now. Mm-hmm. Um, so we have today, um, a beer that you rated five out of five on untapped. Was it? I believe so. If not, it was yeah. very close to that. Yeah, and I was like, you're kidding. And then I tried it, and I was like, you're kidding. Um, <laughs> in agreement. And that didn't really come across, but um, yeah. that's what that was. Yeah. Which is, we have Capital Brewing's First Tracks Imperial Stout. Not quite sure why, but there's a snake on it. I do like the branding. Um, yeah. The black and the red's pretty cool. Oh, there appears to be a man skiing on it. Wait, I hadn't where? seen that. Oh, on the, the bottom, bottom of the, the snake. snake. How bizarre. Bizarre. Uh, coffee and oatmeal imperial stout coming in at um, a tidy what seven percent is it? Oh no, ten point five. Ten and a half, my dude. Sake. <laughs> <sighs> it's three standard drinks in this little this little can. Yeah. All right. Ah uh, yes. Ready to ruin yeah, my life again? Yeah. Well, I'm 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 trying to think sort of what they're going for with the, with the name and the artwork there. It's kind of. The last couple it's of sentences on the reference. yeah on the on the back it's kind of making reference to you know one sip of the silky smooth drop and you'll be transported to those morning first tracks on the mountain so maybe it's uh, yeah kind of I've never done ski resorts but maybe it's that kind of vibe of up and down yeah, the mountain drinking fucking strong beers at night I'm into it as, as an idea yeah um, I'm into it as a beer so um, I'm gonna get my mouth around it yeah all right let's uh let's open them up. Oh, the smell hits you as you open it. That um, 
coffee, oatmeal, like, yeah, mm. you can definitely smell the, like, uh, the coffee element coming through quite strong. Speaking of which, I had a very, very nice latte earlier. I think, yeah. I don't know what's going on, but the milk delightful. was just like, yeah, I feel like there might have been something in the milk even, or like, it just like, he just like toasted the milk almost, because it had a kind of All like right. nutty flavor. I don't know. It was good. Yeah. Okay. How's a... Uh, How's your how's your paw come out? That looks all right. Um, De- yeah, I'm actually really quite happy with that. It's a good decent, good head decent on that little head. Mm. Nice, nice and creamy looking head. Yeah. Um, obsidian black is the way I would describe it. It is, it is quite a it's quite a dark boy. Yeah. Uh, the nice sort of like it is like a latte. The color of the head. A little bit. A little bit. Yeah. Um, or maybe maybe a nice cap. Uh, hmm. Shall we have a little taste? Yes, please. Like I know they mention on the on the can that it's silky smooth, but it it mm. really is like yeah, that booziness it, is well hidden, and it doesn't have that thing that some stouts have where they they feel thick almost. It it, it is actually quite. It's also not light because you get some stouts which feel almost thin because they're just a little bit watery or, or something yeah. like that. But this is like a really nice sort of midpoint of that where it. Mm-hmm. It feels like there's weight to it, but it's not like it's that not kind that, like, of heavy feeling beer. Sticky in your mouth, sort of. Yeah, thing. it's just yeah, it runs over the taste buds mm. pretty well. But yeah, that, um, nice, that nice sort of toast, toasty oatmeal sort of flavor in there. A little bit of um, the bitterness and and the coffee flavor as well is mm-hmm. is like it's quite obvious, but again, not getting in the way of things. It's just it's there for you to enjoy. Yeah, um, yeah absolutely. Yeah, it's. Yeah, I yeah, I mean like like you said we've both had this before. We both really mm. like it. Um I think as far as like coffee and or oatmeal stouts go, this is probably one of the better ones I've had in some time. Yeah, I would I would agree with that. It's it's really um it's it's a superbly well balanced in the flavors. And I know that every time mm. we do a stout recently, we sort of come to the conclusion that it's a really good one without being overpowering. But I also think potentially that's because we're starting to pick that, yeah, quite I mean, well. That that's what I look for, right? Is because I I I like the flavor of a good stout. And then when you start adding things like, you know, coffee or chocolate or or chili, even in some of them, there's a there's a a risk there of you know putting just a little bit too much in and having that kind of get in the way of the actual beer itself. Yeah, and you yeah. kind of get away from, yeah, you made a good stout and it's like, okay, you kind of just, you experiment with some flavors. Maybe it's a bit of a stunt beer, um, but this is just like, it's a solid stout and they've got some really well-positioned flavors in there is, is probably what I'd say. Yeah, hundred percent. I think, um, I think maybe this is also a thing is that we're moving away from those. So like obviously the pastry stouts have been a bit of a thing recently, but maybe we're also... Mm seeing a lot more um, brewers try to produce like a good solid stout without it being some kind of you know wild chimera behemoth stout yeah yeah um, um would do capital do just a standard sort of stout as part of their core range I, I to be honest with you I know like three capital beers and I like them all quite a lot yeah. to be honest so I can't I can't say but this is one of them so I don't I don't know if they have a standard stout um, well, now that we're remote, I can just check this on the fly. Um, it's a fair point. It's just the first capital brewing beer we've done. Um, 
maybe. Uh, I, I know I've had a few of them. Like the Rockhopper IPA is one that I really love. Um, well, yeah, that that is that's the one of the ones I know, and I, and I really like that. I like yeah. that. It's like the Trails one or whatever it's called. Yeah, the Trail well. Pale Ale is also really good. Um, mm. Yeah, it looks like they don't just have a standard stout. They just have yeah. uh, six kind of lighter beers. I, I find that that's not that uncommon either, though. Yeah. There's a lot of breweries out there that just got like a Pale Ale, an XPA, an IPA, and maybe a lager or something. Yeah, that's kind of what they've got. They've got a couple of different IPA varieties and a, and a mm. red ale as well. Um, is is there a reason you can think of for that? Like a stout's harder to produce or just not going to um, sell as much? Do you know, I think it's probably around the latter. Is that there's, yeah. there's, um, I don't know Is there's necessarily much difficulty in producing them. Um, some of the bigger stouts, it's more difficult. Um, you need the right types of yeast and strains mm-hmm. um and for those ones that you want to age barrel age obviously that's a pain in the ass yeah. and adjuncts are a pain in the ass as you say if you're going to add coffee to something there's an experimentation level that you've got to sort of contend with and and uh, i read this thing the other day that someone there was a head brewer that someone quoted and it's like if i'm gonna make this beer and i'm gonna add an adjunct to it what does that adjunct bring to the beer that that it will also can like what is it going to bring to the beer Bearing in mind, it might also cancel out another flavor or, or, or like diminish something else. Yeah, right. So like balancing a big stout, like or a flavored stout, can be quite tricky, I suppose. But yeah, I, th- I feel like there is. Um, if you consider the craft beer market, XPAs, pale ales, IPAs, hazy pales, they're just going to sell quite a lot of them. Yeah. Um, whereas you know a big six point stout or whatever, <laughs> that's mm. a smaller one. A big ten point stout. Is less like is more likely to sell actually than like a four pack of like six points down. Yeah, well, I guess I guess too like darker beers would probably sell less in warmer times, you know. Yeah, and we Whereas, live in a fairly warm country. Yeah, we do. Um, mm. But you know, IPAs I'll drink year round. Um, so I guess yeah, that's yep. probably why you see a lot of these breweries having like IPAs and pales as their sort of core range, and then they'll do stuff like this where you know for three months of the year they produce this fucking banging stout. Yeah. And then it kind of just goes away and you hope that it comes back again next year. I was going to say, sometimes they end up making the roster and sometimes they don't. Yeah. Um, but, you know, at, that, at the same time, like sometimes you have to you have to contend with like, well, um, appreciate the fact that we had it rather than not. Um, oh, yeah, for there's sure. something enjoyable about a fleeting and limited Yeah, I did, a, I did a thing the other day. Someone was... Um, way someone more asked me for a recommendation. <laughs> someone asked me for a recommendation for a porter. Right, and then I was scrolling back through my untapped. Mm. I filtered it down to like porters I've had, sorted it by you know highest rating to lowest, and we're just scrolling through. And the amount of them where I was like, "Oh yeah, this was good, but you can't get it anymore," and that that was like pretty frequent. So I just said, "Hey, here's a bunch of breweries that I know have done porters well before. Um, give them a look, see what they've got now." That was kind of what I had to do. So that that was kind of a pain having to be like, "Oh yeah, these guys have done one before that was pretty good." You could try them but i don't know what they've got at the moment because it changes every year which you know is is a double-edged sword there when it when it comes to craft beer can i make a couple of recommendations yeah for anyone listening uh the um the bunker porter by stomping grounds apparently stomping ground was one of the ones i i recommended because that's like one of their one of their core beers yeah and if you can get any of the Deschutes porter i think it's called black butte um out of the u.s yeah uh and obsidian they're both really good yeah i mean i think i had a I think it was during Pint of Origin, maybe last year, Carl and Sellers were doing a, a USA event. 
And oh, they yeah, had a bunch I do remember of, you saying you were having Yeah, they those, had a bunch yeah. of Deschutes stuff there. Um, I think there was something that came out about Deschutes and maybe some of their labor practices not being good. Uh, uh, yeah, potential I think they discrimination had a bit of an issue with racism. Things like that. Yeah. Um, I haven't I heard anything about it, it was, since, to be fair. I was going to say, I think it was one of those things that got blown up, not out of proportion, but it got blown up and they sort of, born of a better word, fixed it. Sure. Uh, and yeah, the like, offending like said, parties I, were taken care of. Well, I'm not yeah. sure, so maybe that's yeah. not true. Like I, I, haven't, I haven't looked into it since. I just remember hearing that at a time when, like, I was, I had, I had like a couple of Deschutes beers that I, I had at home, and I was pretty excited about them. And then I was like, ah, oh, now I'm kind of soured on the whole thing. But look, the the beers were good. Um, mm-hmm. I, I would probably, probably uh, temper it by saying check and see if they're garbage people nowadays or not <laughs> before giving also, them too see, much see of money. Also, see what's brewed locally. As yeah, well. yeah, oh yeah, for sure. Um, there's a lot of good local beers, um, but yeah, getting getting dark beers that are made in Australia can be a little tough, depending on what time mm-hmm. of year it is. Yeah. Um, with that, shall mm. we uh, jump into it? I think we shall. All right, let's do it up. So, um, based off the name of the beer, which I read correctly this time, First Tracks, uh, I thought I would talk to you a little bit about um, uh, the first, a first race. Um, mm. You're so, going to need to be way more specific. Um, I will be, don't worry. So, obviously, with the, with the name Track, I was thinking like race tracks, um, mm-hmm. and I was like, oh, well, I can talk about... Um, this interesting race or something. So what I'm going to talk to you about today is the first cannonball run. Oh, yes. Yeah. Um, so te- a little bit, I'm going to talk to you about both. But. Yeah, I'm a little bit familiar with the cannonball stuff. I've heard a couple of different stories about it. So uh, I'm very, very excited for this. Yeah. So, so I'm going to talk to you about both the, the first and the second one, technically, because the first one was a bit... Um, it's a long story. You'll, you'll see. All right, so, so if you're not familiar, the Cannonball Run is a coast-to-coast speed race across the U.S., um, starting at the Red Ball Garage in Midtown Manhattan, and it ends at the Portofino Hotel and Marina in Redondo Beach, Los Angeles, California. Now, the total distance of that, this is all going to be in metric, so, sorry, America and Liberia, and I believe Burma. Um <laughs> Total distance comes in at about, and, and most of the UK, let's be honest as well. Total yeah. distance comes in at about 4,500 K. Um, mm-hmm. It is 2,800 miles bang on for the shortest route, I believe. Yeah, right. Um, uh, but it's, yeah, it's about 4,500 K. And the shortest route will pass through, take you through the states of New York, Pennsylvania, Ohio, Indiana, Illinois, Missouri, Oklahoma, Texas, New Mexico, Arizona, and California, just missing Kansas. Um, so you really do get a pretty good idea of the span of it, but also you get to see like a pretty varied kind of America, I would yeah. say. Um, yeah, but I, I don't imagine there's a lot of time for stopping to take it in. No, that's actually quite a good point. Um, <laughs> The race being entirely unsanctioned, though, and unofficial, the route the competitors take is entirely open. Those states that I've named there are just the shortest route on Google Maps. Right. Um, I was going to ask if, if you did your own checking of the of the route on, on Maps. Yeah, I did, yeah. Um, <laughs> I accidentally said it's a walking at first, and I was like, it feels like <laughs> oh, this man. would take a lot less time than that. Yeah, there was like the old Google Maps Easter egg where if you if you told it to give you direction from like Sydney to LA, it would end up telling you to kayak across the Pacific Ocean. Nice. <laughs> yeah, there was, there was ones like Swim the English Channel. Yeah. Yeah. Six. Um, 
So the challenge is named after Erwin Cannonball Baker, which is a pretty fucking badass um, mi- uh, nickname. I'm about to say middle yeah. name. Definitely was not christened Cannonball. You don't know um, that. That is a very good point. Um, <laughs> shit. <laughs> Why did you call him that? Well, when he was born, shut up. Oh, okay. <laughs> yep. You don't, um, no, don't ask that question. So, so uh, Cannonball Baker was a race, a race driver and a former vaudeville performer um, who um, won a sort of fairly major dirt bike race in, I think, 1908 and was just right. like, oh, I guess I'll just do this from now on instead, which is kind of wild. So, wait, um, like, while he was a vaudeville performer, he tried his hand at dirt biking? Is that what you're saying? Yep. Okay. Cool. Yeah, I mean, like, I like the Marx Brothers, <laughs> but I've never seen any of them, um, you know, rip a sweet wheelie or uh, you've never seen do one of them ghost skid. ride the whip. No, no. <laughs> Actually, that might be in one of the films. Who knows? Okay. Um, I imagine that would be Zeppo. He's not got much else going on. Anyway, um, they're all dead, Elliot. So he was the also the uh, uh, not Zeppo, um, uh, Cannonball Baker was the winner of the very first race ever held at the Indianapolis Motor Speedway, which huh. many of you may know as the home of the Indy 500. Yeah. Um, it's one of the biggest calendar events in the NASCAR sort of tour as well at Indianapolis. It's um, it's the big one, mm-hmm. and oddly enough, Cannonball Baker was also the first ever commissioner of NASCAR. So NASCAR has come up, I think, three times now on this podcast. Yeah. I don't think I've ever watched it. No, I've I've seen like bits and pieces mainly because like my dad just watches sport when it's on TV, which is all the time because they pay for it. Um, and depending on what time of day it is, I might catch him watching lawnmower racing, NASCAR, golf. Like who knows? It's just what's on. Just Let's want to back up there. Lawnmower racing was that a natural one or was that a yeah? It was, it was on ES, it was on ESPN. Um, <laughs> and we we I-, I think last time I was over. Me, him, and my brother ended up watching the sport of Kabaddi, uh, which is from sort of Bangladesh and India, depending on who you ask. Um, is that that mad volleyball football thing? No, that's... Uh, oh, I can almost remember the name of that, but that's like Southeast Asian... Uh, yeah, I know the one you think of where they have to like backflip and kick kick a ball over the net kind of, yeah, but on a volleyball wild. setup. No, Kabaddi is like aggressive battle tag... It's a really bizarre sport. You should check it out later. That sounds rad. I also yeah. feel like that might have come up on the podcast at some point. Yeah, because like I, I will I will talk to anyone about it at any time because it's one of the wildest things I've ever seen. All right, fair play. Um, so uh, over his lifetime, Cannonball make Cannonball Baker uh, made one hundred and forty three cross country speed runs on a motorbike totaling about 890,000 kilometers. Wow. Which is pretty good going. Um, <laughs> housemate's coming from his run and just went, just five. <laughs> just, just, just a cheeky five. Just a cheeky five, okay. <laughs> You're short by 889,995. But you know what? It's a start. So yeah, yeah. <laughs> totaling about... <laughs> about basically just shy of 900,000 K, which is pretty fucking mad realistically. Yeah. Um, and all a motorbike in the sort of early 1910s and twenties. Was, was this on the same motorbike? No. So, so he actually used to do quite a lot of different motorbikes as like, they would give him a motorbike to like advertise how great it was by getting him to do a speed run on it. Right. I, I just remembered back. I think it was like, it was a Honda 
maybe it was a Honda Civic and it like there was this big news story because someone got it past a million kilometers on the clock and then Honda basically uh, just gave them a new Civic they were like you should not be doing this but um, also that's kind of mad because you. that's not that uncommon uh, with taxis oh okay yeah my, my, my old man went to Germany once and he was in like a mid 90s E-type uh, not E-type excuse me E-class Mercedes mm. and he was like he like spied the clock. He's like, this isn't a bit of an older car. You've only done like 150,000K. And he's like, no, no, this is the second time around. Like, oh. <laughs> All right. I've clocked Because they just maintain them to within an inch of their life. Yeah. Yeah. Um, so he was the first one to do what's called the cannonball run. Um, but well, I imagine first... it wasn't called that when he did it. No, he was just. He did it. The and then run. Someone, someone named it after him. Yeah, it was just the run. <laughs> I guess, yeah. The, but the, the very, very first cannonball, the very long trip to the shops. I'm off out. Is what he called it. <laughs> <laughs> Darling, I'll be right back. <laughs> Never saw him again. Well, I had to get some smokes. Anyway. <laughs> um, but the very first cannonball run, as we know it, or to give it its full title, the uh, Cannonball Baker Sea to Shining Sea Memorial Trophy Dash. Because if you're going to add words, do I not just keep going? Yep. A sentence almost as long as the dash itself uh, was run in 1971, and okay. it was conceived by a guy named Brock Yates and another chap called Steve Smith, who were both editors for Car and Driver magazine. Hmm. So the idea was that they were actually doing it um, for two reasons. Uh, one was as a celebration of the uh, interstate highway system. Oh yeah, yeah. yeah I'm that, was, that was pretty roads. new at the time, right? So I had a look into it. The thing is, it's like, it's a very long and ongoing project. So Yeah, but in terms of like when, when the first sort of bulk of the work was done, I feel like it was around then sometime. Yeah, fair play. In the 1970s, it would kind of make sense because it, it was the era that they were starting to kind of replace things like Route 66. Or yeah. rather, that's when that started to die because the interstate highways killed them. Yeah. Um, but, uh, yeah, it was partly a celebration of that and partly as a protest against incoming traffic laws, which they thought were too draconian and strict. Great. Which, to me, just seems a little bit counter, sort of counterintuitive. Yeah, let's give them points. more of a reason to slow us down. Well, yeah, but also like, yay, government roads. Boo, government policing of roads. Yeah. Like, <laughs> which is it, pal? Like, make your mind up. You pro yep. or anti-government. It's like, listen... I am a uh, democratically elected anarchist. Interesting. I don't want mm. to open this door any further than we already have. Please continue. Totally fair. Um, <laughs> so they they did the initial run just themselves. And the first mm -hmm. run was in a 1971 Dodge Custom Sportsman van um, called Moon Trash 2. Great. I yeah, love that. I, I thought it was great. Um, I couldn't find anything about Moon Trash One. Um, Maybe and if it didn't you type exist. In, that would be even better. Yeah. Um, <laughs> if you type in Moon Trash One, you just get lots of articles about how much trash is on the moon. <laughs> oh, you would, yeah, yeah. <laughs> uh, so Moon Trash Two, um, they went along. There was four of them in the van. There was uh, Brock and Steve. Um, they also brought along Jim Williams as a third co-driver. And Brock's 14-year-old son, uh, Brock Jr., whose job was to spot cops. <laughs> <laughs> also, like, yes. all of these names suck. They're like the most boring white man names. 
What, you mean Jim Williams and Steve Smith weren't yes. oh, too generic? Yes. Yes, agreed. Brock isn't too bad. Brock no, Bro- Jr. Brock, Brock is the spicy one in the group. Mm. But then he went and named his son Brock Jr. because he loves his own name so much. It's a fair point. <laughs> um, now, bearing in mind, 1971, they're in a van. There's four of them. Mm-hmm. They're doing 4,500 K. Would you like to have a bet? Or not a bet because there's no kind of prize involved. Have a guess at... Um, how long it took them in hours and minutes? Wait, how far they're going again? Four and a half thousand K. And I'm guessing the 14-year-old is not part of the driving crew? Who's to say? It was 1971. <sighs> yeah, that's a good point. Um, shit, I don't know. Uh, yeah, it's all it's all highways. So I would, you know, if, if you estimate that, say like if they're hitting the speed limit, right? Say it's 100 K an hour, 60 miles an hour, thereabouts. I don't know. 42 hours. Mike Jeffcott, take a little bow. It was 40 hours, 51 minutes. Damn, I almost said 40. And then I was like, no, I had a bit of time there. Because they didn't hit 100K. They averaged a speed of 108. Yeah, okay. So they they averaged a speed of 108, which is pretty damn good. Because A, as I mentioned, 1971. B, a van. C, they got to stop for fuel. uh, And presumably to piss. And whatever. Um, and other, other things that are important to life, like food and water. Yeah, yeah, that's also like, uh, uh, yeah, they could have been <laughs> in the van. Oh, they, could have, they could have stocked up before they went, but still, that's yeah. just tons of jerky and beer. <laughs> it's all just it's Twinkies. 1971. You know it, they just know have it's Twinkies, Twinkies and, and soda. Bullshit. Yeah. Um, Twinkies and bullshit. That's going to be the name of our first album. Mm. Um, no, it's not. It's going to be called Greatest Hits. Our second album will be called Twinkies and Bullshit. <laughs> Great. <laughs> First album, um, greatest hits. <laughs> yeah. yeah, mate. Just, just go in hard at the top, and then just fail well, ever after. It's the greatest hits we've got so far. It just happens to be our first album. Yeah, or you call it self-titled just to confuse people that own iPods. <laughs> Who owns an iPod anymore? It's, uh, it's a peep show joke. <laughs> um. Anywho, um. Wait, is it a peep show? Oh, I might make that up. Anyway. So, so they ran that, that race was run in, uh, in May of 1971. Um, a few months later, they're like, shit, let's do it again. So November rolls around. A few months and later. Not, yeah. November rolls around and they're not still tired for some reason. Um, <laughs> as I would be. Yeah. And they're like, let's do it again. But this time let's make it a race. Um, okay. so it's this one, which is considered to be the first actual cannonball run. Because there was like a competition element, there was multiple multiple teams, etc. Yeah. The only specifications of the race were as follows: there's no restrictions on route, type of vehicle, number of drivers or crew, or maximum speeds. The vehicle that starts the race must be the one that drives the entire distance. You can't transport it or anything similar. And then also, the article I was reading did state that no one was allowed to drive part of the way, take a train, plane, or other fly, other way to get there, and then have a hidden identical vehicle near the end and drive that out. I was like, that's very specific. Have they been watching wacky races or something? I was going to say, that's very fast and furious. I can imagine them like driving the car into a plane, which then does the majority of the trip and then driving out of the plane and then finishing it. That's not very fast and furious. They would drive the whole way. No, they would drive the car through the front of the plane as it's exploded, please. That's actually a really good point. (laughs) Such good movies. (laughs) I think when I finish watching Frasier over and over again, I'm going to have to watch The Fast and the Furious. It's going to be a real sea change, but still. Yeah. Yeah. Um, 
So some other rules. Speeding tickets were the driver's responsibility, but they don't disqualify the driver. Okay. However, if you are stopped by cops, you are putting your overall time at risk. I mean, obviously. Yep. And generally, but this is the this is the mad bit. Generally, no one really cared about who won or what time because it was just they weren't taken very seriously. Right. So <laughs> disqualified due to demerit points. They didn't finish the race with a valid driver's license. <laughs> didn't finish the race because they were arrested. Yeah. Um, <laughs> so this time, eight vehicles entered the race. Um, this is the first cars. One. Uh, yes, yeah, so like this the is like the real one. Sorry. Yeah, that's right. So they had um, a few sports cars, a few coupes, um, two more vans, and I'll yeah. come up to some of the other ones. Um, so the winner, uh, kind of unsurprisingly, was the combination of Brock Yates, aka the guy who invented it, mm-hmm. and international racing veteran Dan Gurney. Dan Gurney, who had won F1, NASCAR, Trans Am, and Can-Am races, uh, when combined with the guy who invented the race, Brock somehow Yates just came on the phone in first. Like, hey, how good are you with a van? Well, they actually didn't do it in a van this time. They decided to race in a brand new Ferrari Daytona Coupe. Look, if, if you can get it, why wouldn't you? It feels like a bit of a step up, eh? Yeah, where's the Ferrari van? Do that. Oh. Just do an, uh, en- just you, do an uh, engine swap. Put a Ferrari engine in a van and then well, do it. Have you ever seen the Top Gear where they have the Transit with the Jaguar XJ220 engine? <laughs> no, but that sounds amazing. <laughs> Rad. So fast. <laughs> um, so they did the race in this Ferrari Daytona Coupe. Um, <laughs> do you want to have a bash at the um, time? Uh, okay, so the van did it in 40 40 Yeah, 32 uh 3554 okay which is kind of mad when you consider they only shaved less than five hours off their previous run yeah um which considering the difference in vehicles you might expect to have a little bit more disparity uh i think it's worth pointing out though that realistically they probably had to stop for fuel a hell of a lot more that's what i was gonna say is like the efficiency of the run is probably worse because of yes the amount of fuel and things like that you'd go through yeah, absolutely. Um, what I also think is quite funny is that second place arrived 53 minutes later uh-huh. in a Chevrolet van. Fantastic. Sorry? Fantastic. fantastic. I should be you, you said fantastic, and my next sentence that was on my lips was, did you just say fantastic? <laughs> did we just yes. become best friends? Um, but the, yeah, the, the, the Chevrolet sports van was driven by a team of three Polish Americans named known as the Polish Racing Drivers of America. <laughs> Wait, Polish Racing Drivers of America. That's such a yeah. weird name. That wasn't their names. That was the name of their team because they were three Polish Americans. Yeah, no, I know, but it's just like didn't, didn't want to bother coming up with some like fancy name that like sounds flashy. They were just like, no, we're Polish racing drivers. We live in America. Fuck you. It was nineteen seventy two. Nineteen seventy one. Man, like, give them some marketing had only just know. been invented. <laughs> take a take a mushroom. Come up with a name. <laughs> Take a mushroom. Drive across country. <laughs> no, um, do, do that weeks before. To, to give you some context, though, the difference in speeds and difference in time it taken was 0.7 seconds a kilometer. That doesn't sound like a lot. It's not when you consider Ferrari Daytona, Chevrolet yeah. sports van. That's like, uh, so my first job out of uni was like doing 
basically software for companies that had large vehicle fleets. Like you think like delivery vehicles oh, yeah. for like Coca-Cola and Walmart, like that kind of scale. And mm-hmm. they're dealing with so, so many trucks at such a large area that if you make one small change to how their routing algorithm works, like for example, taking a left turn into a depot instead of a right turn, that will save you literally millions of dollars because of the amount of shit they're dealing with. Yeah. It's that kind yeah, of like the way that a small change kind of extrapolates out within to like across a large distance in the case of mm-hmm. in the case of this. It's yeah, well, pl- you, you wouldn't think 0. about seven it, seconds then, yeah. times forty five thousand, forty five hundred yep. becomes yeah. fifty three minutes again, which is not a whole lot. No. But it's pretty fantastic. It, yeah. I'm impressed. Um so during this first run, um the the competitors actually managed to get away without any injury or accident, which is kind of surprising in a lot of mm. ways. That's not to say it wasn't without incident. Mm-hmm. Um, four of the eight teams picked up speeding tickets yeah. with a total of 12 tickets between them. Wow. Which is okay. like, that's not bad. Yeah. Um, Dan Gurney in the Daytona at one point was clocked doing 217 kilometers an hour in a 110 zone. Oh boy! (laughs) So did they nuke him from orbit? Fuck, that's so (laughs) fast! (laughs) Like Uh, it's so far above the limit. Yeah, it's a full hundred and seven k above what he's allowed. Yeah, that is a full. That's a full speed limit above the speed limit. Yeah, you were clocked doing two hundred percent of what you're allowed to do. Just imagine that though, because it's like the cops are like, "Are we going to chase him?" It's like. We'll post a chat. We'll post a little because yeah. Uh, yeah, we're not going to get him. Um, what's that bit in the Fast and the Furious Tokyo Drift where they're like, oh, if you're doing over That's 155. In, yeah, yeah. The, the Japanese cop cars can't keep up. Yeah, so they but also, you. like, they just forget the fact that they can mail you a speeding ticket. Yeah. Okay. <laughs> um, they just ignore that. <laughs> Court summons. Like, no, oh, you couldn't catch me. I'm not coming. <laughs> I was going so fast. You couldn't even read my number plate. I was going so fast, law doesn't apply. <laughs> Not even the laws of physics. I've gone into uh, what the international, uh, what is it? The international waters equivalent of like physical space time. <laughs> Just like, no, nah, I don't exist here. Your laws don't apply to me. To make a really uninteresting and nerdy joke, isn't the international waters equivalent of space time just international waters? Yeah. Okay. Keep going. Fun. Um, so Dan Gurney picks up this mad speeding ticket, but by far and away, in my opinion, the best, and I put best in heavy quotes here, was the team that came third place. Um, they were driving a Cadillac Coupe de Ville, mm-hmm. and out of the 12 tickets, they picked up six of them. Oh, wow. Um, they talked themselves out of a seventh. How? And they... <laughs> I don't fucking know. You just hold up the other six, you're like, we've got enough to deal with. Um... Well, they also narrowly arrest, avoided arrest for stealing petrol, uh, which they said was a misunderstanding between um, themselves who were in a mad rush and a sleepy gas attendant. They were trying to save time by not paying. Pretty much. Um, yeah. <laughs> also, all the speeding tickets, they were like, which, one's it, which one are we paying for here? Well, despite being stopped seven times and probably eight because of the jail thing, still came third with 36.56. Yeah, wow. Yeah, that's literally an hour and two minutes after the Ferrari. <laughs> um, oh, man. And get this, 
the best part of it all is that the Cadillac Coupe de Ville that they were driving, which I believe is pronounced Coupe de Ville, but I refuse to say that, um, was one that they were delivering to an unsuspecting buyer on the West Coast who had no idea what was going on. It was called a drive-to-deliver scheme. Basically, right. you get paid to drive it across the country for the buyer. Yeah, and, and they're going to be like, hey, why is this car so fucking wrecked? What did you do? Yeah, why is this car so incredibly warm? And why are the tires so incredibly bald? Yeah, yeah. And why is everything so incredibly shit? But yeah, yeah, the poor bastard who took delivery of it must have been furious or just so confused. Yeah. Man. Legends. Legends. I couldn't imagine. Um, so the, um, the Prada team, aka the Polish Race Drivers of America. Very good. Um, claimed that they managed to avoid tickets themselves. Quote, I was going to do an accent then. Don't. Quote, because we endeavored to remain within the speed limit at all times. Which I really like from a, someone, an organization called the Polish Racing Drivers of America. Just like, uh-huh. no, we won't break the speed limit. And also just like, we're doing a coast-to-coast speed run. We're coming second and we're yeah. not going to break the law. Also, we endeavored not to does not mean the same thing as we did not. That is a very good point that I hadn't considered. We endeavoured, but uh, what's that great Simpsons bit? Uh, it's not illegal. If I don't see it, it's not illegal. Yeah. We endeavoured to stay within the speed limit. Turns out we failed the entire time, but we tried. <laughs> we tried. We failed. We won. Yeah. Not a very good legal defence, but look, it sounds like what they had. Fair point. Um, they also did something um, quite spectacular, which has become the standard of modern runs which is, to save a lot of time, they outfitted their van with 1,100 litres of spare fuel in tanks. Oh, all right. I thought you were going to say, like, yep. mad aerodynamics to increase efficiency, or... No, that's actually really good. No, they added 1.1 metric tons to the weight instead. Wow. <laughs> actually, more, well because the barrels were way van, more. Might, have, might as well have had a second van that could do, like, a mid-drive refuel, similar to the way that, like, mid-air refueling works with fighter jets and stuff like that. That shit is rad too. Yeah. Yeah. Um, so the fourth place team, also in a van, a Dodge van, was stopped at one point and uh, in, in their personal collection of four tickets. Good. All right. What I really like about this is 12 tickets were picked up. I am, say, I am seeing 11 by three uh, competitors. Yeah. Um, so uh, they were stopped for an hour and 45 minutes at one point. Oh. which really put pay to their time. Yeah. But it's because um, the Pennsylvania state trooper who pulled them over was a young guy and he spent the hour and 45 minutes trying to talk one of the team, a Becky Poston, into, quote, staying behind with him. Okay. Which is a dog act and also super creepy. Yeah. Way to uh, use your position of power in a way that is not appropriate. Yeah, I really hope it wasn't a, madam, you're going to have to stay with me, but more of a, like, would you like to come and ride on my motorbike? I'd like to hope that it was charming and, like, adorable, but I think it was probably creepy. No, it wasn't. You know it wasn't. It was the 70s. Buckaroo. That's not going to make any sense. (laughs) Um, (laughs) Buckaroo? Oh, it's a partridge quote. I'm I'm running them all today. Uh, So, um, Get out your uh, your Hebrew bingo card. You can mark off Alan Partridge. Uh, yeah. Pete Show. We haven't had a Simpsons, had a Simpsons reference. Yeah, we have. Yeah. Oh no, we have. You're right. Yeah. Of course we have. Yeah. Um, that that's the free space. Come on. <laughs> <laughs> oh, I love it. Um, so our old friend Moon Trash Two ran again. Good. Um, coming Moon in Trash sixth. Two. two. Uh, Moon Trash Squared. Nice. Um, 
so Moontrash 2 came in sixth. Um, Steve Smith, I think, drove Moontrash again. And um, maybe Jim Williams. I forget whether he came along. I forgot to write it down as well. But they actually lost two hours because they had difficulty replacing a tire in northern Texas because they had oh. like these flashy slot mag wheels on there and they were like beautiful right. like alloy wheels. And then they couldn't get a tire to fit it. So they had to end up fitting a different kind of wheel. And then it was like ever so slightly off kilter. So they had to get a balance. It's like, right. for fuck's sake. Fools. Didn't even say like, tires. They lost two hours because they stopped for a nice steak dinner somewhere. Just you know, they're just enjoying it as their second run. Just like, hey, we're the we're the guys who did this. We we started this. We're just gonna we're gonna be the uh, the show pony here. We're just gonna kind of hang out. No, the show pony came next. But I like the idea that maybe they stopped to enjoy the world, the the, the, <laughs> the majestic splendor, which is rural America. Yeah, pretty much. Um, no, the the, the the show pony was absolutely the final finisher, which right. was a nine meter long traffico motorhome. Who's <laughs> Um, was basically like some rich sponsor, uh, yeah. a couple of media crews, and a load of birds, apparently. Um, uh. And his only incident that he noted was that um, at one point uh, they had to make a very sudden maneuver and it, <laughs> it spilled a large pan of hot lasagna on the van's shag rug. I <laughs> 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 was writing this last night and having a really good laugh at the idea. It was like, all these other cars like pulling deaf, deaf-defying yeah. stunts, and he's like, "Oh, my lasagna!" <laughs> I didn't know what to expect, but it definitely—I was not seeing—I did not see that coming. <laughs> Wait, if you're gonna do it, do it in style, eh? So good. Oh, I'm just in a motorhome. You know what? Let's cook a fucking lasagna on the road. Hell yes! <laughs> what the fuck? <laughs> now. <laughs> I'll be honest, yeah, I've been thinking about lasagna ever since. And also, this is the second Garfield reference to the show, which is oh, a new one for that's us. That's a bad precedent to set. Yeah. Um, oh, there was a, also I need, one... I need a minute. <laughs> <laughs> yes, got him. Should have waited till uh, there's some drink in your mouth. I'm, I'm I think I could have got you then. No, I'm glad my glass is empty because I would have... Jesus! I would have fucking put beer all over my entire computer setup. Dude, we've not been recording that long. Yeah, look, I like that beer. It's want? 11%. Yeah. Good on you. <laughs> I was going with it. That lasagna thing would still be this funny, even if I hadn't just had three standard drinks in the space of fucking, I don't know, an hour. Less. <laughs> <laughs> Probably 40 minutes. Yeah. Um, yeah. Uh, yeah. Oh, I'm glad you really enjoyed that because that was the bit that really got me. Like, you know, yeah. <laughs> so this is going to be a real big throwback, but you know when I was writing the ghost ship episode and I came across the bit where it's like, Oh, the Flying Dutchman is a portent of raves. And yeah. you just blank-faced me. And I was like, that was the bit that I really thought was going to make you laugh. When I read the lasagna, I was like, I've got to get in this time. Yeah, this will be the one. This will be my redemption. <laughs> yeah. It's not like the other ones been playing on my mind ever since. I don't remember any of the episodes we wrote or recorded, but I remember that one bit. <laughs> <laughs> well, now you, can, now you can finally put that to rest with the fucking... Damn straight. The cannonball lasagna. What the fuck? <laughs> I'm going to make a lasagna and call it cannonball lasagna. <laughs> I love lasagna oh. so much. Ah, oh, very good. My face hurts. Good. Uh, anywho, so there was <laughs> one car, tragically, that didn't make it to the end. Oh. Now, you know a little bit about cars and you know a little bit about... Do you know much about classic cars? Uh, here and there, it really depends what we're talking about, but try me. <laughs> so, finally, as I say, one car didn't make it to the Portofino Inn suffering a transmission failure in Columbus, Ohio. So not even that far in, like a third. Yeah. It was, of course, a 
British Leyland made MGB GT. Because if there's one thing that British Leyland do, it's make shit cars. <laughs> I don't, I'm not familiar with that. But <laughs> oh, we, we just had a reputation post-war of making cars that were of fairly abysmal quality. But very right. cheap. Yeah, okay. Yeah. So it's the only car that didn't make it. The only one. Even the Lasagna Mobile made it. <laughs> this one got a third of the way and its transmission shit its pants. No, and it was like, also yeah, British in the 70s, so it was quite likely a manual as well. So it's not even the other one's like, yeah, we're caked up with pasta, but we're fine. <laughs> Actually, if anything, this um, these lasagna sheets are holding the clutch together. <laughs> the marinara sauce has melted into it. Mm, we can drift now. Um, yeah. <laughs> so altogether, there was actually ended up being five runs of the traditional um, uh, Cannibal Baker Sea to Shining Sea Memorial Trophy Dash uh, between 1971 and 1979. Uh, they even towards the end, they really started to attract some big names. Um, one of which, uh, one of the races in the final race in 1979 was Jacques Villeneuve, who is a um, world-renowned uh, F1 driver. He was um, I, like one of the, uh, excuse me, no, he wasn't French. He was um, Canadian. Um Wait, this doesn't make sense. Maybe it meant Giles Villeneuve, because Jacques Villeneuve would have been eight. <laughs> you fucking live fact-checking yourself? Yeah, because I was suddenly concerned that maybe I was talking bollocks. Look fair. Maybe it meant Giles, because his dad was a racing driver as well. Alternative title for this podcast, Talking Bollocks. Or maybe Jacques was like brought along for the, for the, for the cop spotting. Right, yeah. Who knows? And at this point, you might say, who cares? Because <laughs> if anything, Hebrew has never been well known for its um, accuracy. Look, man, we, we do pretty well, I feel it's, like. It's, moan for, it's known mostly for being wet, spooky, and pasta-based. I, I, I like to think our, um, our, entire, our entire brand is like the stories you tell each other at the pub, which are probably mostly true. Yes, 100%. I think that's what we go for best. It's those slightly shaggy dog stories that you tell at the pub and people yeah. like retell afterwards and someone goes, I don't think that's true. And you go, shut up. I heard it on a podcast. Or you can remember like half a dozen maybe articles you read and they're all maybe telling a part of the story. And you're like, yeah, yeah I know enough. Fuck off. Yeah, it's it's, it's fine. Um, I'd also like to add that um, the... the, the um, the source I used for this today was um, a reprint of the original article from Car and Driver that they um, they wrote post race in 1973, I believe, All which right. I thought was quite fun. Yeah, you've gone like right back to the source. Yeah, quite quite literally. Yeah. Um, I'd also like to add pasta sauce. I'd also like to add that I watched it while I did it while watching Coming to America. So if some of this seems a bit wrong. There's a reason okay. for that. Yeah. And it's because Eddie Murphy's funny. Um, <laughs> so, in 1979, that was the last... Yeah, I'm just cutting straight back into it now. 1979, yeah, um, uh, that was the last race, potentially with or without Jack Villeneuve, who we'll, we'll never know. Um, mm. That obviously came from Wikipedia, so we'll never know. Um, in 1981, a film uh, written by Brock Yates was produced about the race, um, starring Burt Reynolds. All right, this is a fucking cast. Get this. Burt Reynolds, Dom DeLuise, Dean Martin, Sammy Davis Jr., as in the Rat Pack, as in Frankie, uh, 
Sinatra's bloody side yep. act. Yeah. Um, Jackie Chan, Farrah Fawcett, Peter Fonda, father of Jane and famous actor, and Roger Moore, a.k.a. James Bond. What? <laughs> it was mental. Um, so they had a Cannonball Run movie, which I haven't yeah. even seen, and maybe I'll see if it's available and maybe watch it tonight. Um, yeah. And that movie actually was what popular, popularized it? Popular, pop, popularized. Made it yeah. popular. Um, yeah. Because obviously no one had really heard of it because it was kind of like hush-hushy, secrety, couldn't really talk about it too much. Yeah. Yeah, and that's brought a lot of fame to the race. Um, by which point, obviously, the race had ended because 1979 was the last one. So after the last one, and I put this one in mostly as a bit of a like post-history, and then there's also some fun, a fun fact in here. So after 1979, one of the competitors, a guy called Rick Doherty, organized a successor, uh, which was called the US Express. Slightly <laughs> different route. So it wasn't Manhattan to... Uh, Redondo Beach. It was uh, Brooklyn to Santa Monica, which mm-hmm. like you know, basically the same not, thing. Yeah, NYC to LA. It's not too different. Um, the first race, Doherty won it himself uh, in an RX seven, which I think is quite cool. Yeah, um, didn't blow an apex seal along the way, which is a real fucking niche car joke. I was gonna say. They, for a man that a minute ago was like, I don't really know too much about cars. <laughs> it makes an oh. RX-7 Apex Seal joke. Beautiful. Um, <laughs> but his co-driver, if I tell you, tell you the name Will Wright, do you know who that is? What, the game designer? The guy who invented SimCity. Fuck off. What? <laughs> what the first there? US Express. I don't know. Oh, man. Winning. That's what he was doing there. Winning. That is, that is wild. What the... Will Wright? Come on. Yes. Uh, which is weird, but also you can imagine that if it had been in the 90s or late 80s, early 90s, yeah, absolutely John Romero would have been up for that kind of thing. Uh, actually, it's funny you say that. Uh, I think it's uh, David... Uh, I'm getting the name wrong because uh, yeah, I think he's Danish. Uh, David Hanemeyer Hansen, who... Basically, so there's the Ruby programming language, and then there's Rails, which is the library for Ruby, but it's common. I'm familiar with Ruby on Rails. Ruby on Rails. Uh, uh, yeah, it's really fun DHH, thing to say. Dave, David Hanemeyer Hansen, DHH. Uh, he created that, but is also he also does like basically professional race car driving. Like, that is interesting because he's a rich man and he needs. A I was going to say he's got the cash. Yeah. Well, <laughs> have you ever? Are you familiar with um, games journalist called Mike Channel? No, I'm not. He's, he's on Outside Xbox and Outside Extra, but he's also friends with some of the guys from IGN in, in the UK. Mm-hmm. If, you, if, you, if you're into much of like the UK-based um, games journalism, he's kind of a big fixture in that. A guy, him and a guy called Andy Farrant um, are quite popular, and then um, mm-hmm. Jane Douglas as well, and then Luke Westaway and Ellen Rose. They're like this kind of collective. It's very good. Anyway, he is a... Um, I don't know if he's semi-professional, but he's a very, very keen racing driver. Drives an Alpina B5 as his daily, which is like the... Brabus version of BMW, so not like right a, a, M5, a B5 or D5, excuse me, which is like a diesel supercar basically in a BMW right. uh, five series body, and then he's got a Ginetta, um, like sports car that he takes on track days. Um, right, yeah, looks mad. like fun. Yeah, uh, mad indeed. Um, so Will Wright, anyway, Will Wright won that yeah. one. Um, but then like since then we've had like international versions of the um, Cannonball Run. And then they've taken place well, all around the there's place. There's the um, there's the gumball, right? That's exactly right. You took the, the European one. 
So the Gumball Rally is a, a race of a similar length, and they they put it in different countries around the world. Mm. And it largely attracts like celebrity entrants and um, like big corporate sponsorship things. And it's quite yeah. a big brand in itself. It's, you usually see it like it's all Lamborghinis and fucking high end supercars yeah. and shit like that. It's a bit it's a bit of a mad thing. Like the guys from Jackass have done it. You get yeah. things like um, like Elon Musk type people do it, like big Playboy type things yeah. and like um, I became a little bit obsessed with the Gumball Rally when I was younger, Gumball 3000. Like, mm-hmm. you'd get, like, the Playboy car, which would be, like, Hugh and the Playboy bunnies would drive sections and stuff like that. And it right. Was, like, just, like, it's a lot. I think a lot of the money goes to charity from it and stuff, but it is yeah. also, like, super heavily policed because it's loads of people in, like, Porsche 912s and stuff like uh-huh. that. Um, so, yeah, super keen. Like, realistically, I, I'd love to do one of these, like, long endurance races. And I know that... Um, Jordan, God bless his soul, um, is dying today, uh, has been talking about the 24 hour of lemons where you get like a sh- absolute shitbox car and 24 hour endurance race and stuff. That's great. And I, I, I foresee this kind of stupidity in my future. Um, yeah. So, can I, can yeah. I, can I real quick tell you about one that happened at the university I went to? Yes. So <laughs> you just turn around and go, no, <laughs> I would have been like, cool. Your, your episode, you do what you want. Um, <laughs> sorry. Is that about lasagna? No, there was a, uh, so I went to University of Canterbury uh, in New Zealand and there was an event yep. that they held every year. I think, I think it was in like, uh, it was in one of the breaks between semesters, usually winter-ish kind of time, but basically you would drive from Canterbury Uni down to Otago Uni, which is about 500 kilometers. So they call it the Undy 500 because I you just want to say, by the way, because New Zealand's small, it's like it's about it's eight, nine all. kilometers. <laughs> um, but also, the name partially comes from the fact that you were supposed to do it in a car that you obtained for less than five hundred dollars. I'm into that. Yeah, but also everybody would like buy these fucking shit boxes that they got off a classified listing, and they would yeah. do the entire car up in some sort of ridiculous theme. So they would like put like uh, bullshit all over the outside of it. So they might make it look like the the Ghostbusters car or some like. Mm-hmm probably offensive theme if you looked at it today and they would all dress in costume yeah. and they would do this drive and the reason it kind of they started getting a lot of pressure against it is because they would all go down to uh dunedin where otago university is and it would usually coincide with a giant street party which usually involved a lot of couch burnings and you would probably look at it and think it was a riot but it was uh you know it was okay Just a uh, party. I, I, I never did it to be fair but then they kind of shut it down for a while and then... Good cover. Then they brought it back and they said, okay, you're going to have police escorts. You have to have a sober driver at, all, t- at all times. And like they, they, they still let it Came happen. Into that. Um, but they just said, look, you can't, as long as you've got a sober driver, we don't give a fuck because there's no like open container laws or anything. But they just had to make sure that somebody sober was driving at all times and then it was okay. But yeah, it, it was it mm. was rough for, for a number of years there um, Yeah, with, with like the the mayor of otago kind of like yelling about canterbury uni students but it was like no it's actually like we're just coming down and it's kind of a mixture of both you can't just pin it all on us yeah that's totally fair yeah i um i do know my friend chris from china and back home um hull not my home i'm not from home <laughs> time with that brush anyway my friend chris from uh i met in china he did a little while ago a, the james bond rally where you mm-hmm. buy a cheap car and he bought like a either an old saab or an old volvo mm-hmm. and then you do it up to look like a james bond car and then you drive it to venice or somewhere like that across europe <laughs> yeah. and he's like yeah the plan is i'm going to drive it there and then just push it into the canal <laughs> yeah okay <laughs> 
don't know if he went that far, but then what they did is they attached a big helicopter like rotor to it and like painted it like the Bond gyrocopter from something get like a the Twice. Rotor? I don't know. I think it was fake, but <laughs> Chris's dad is also uh, really into microlites, so who knows? Okay. Okay. Um, yeah. Um, so yeah, Mike. At some point, let's do one of these mad things because. Yeah, but let's not say anything else about it because legally dubious. We do a lot of legally dubious on this podcast. No, we don't. Don't don't listen. Don't listen to what he said. It's not true. All right. So since last November, the record for the Gumball Run has been, excuse me, the, the Cannonball Run has been beaten quite a lot of times. Okay. Um, I think basically what happened was there was a couple of good runs prior to Christmas. And then what happened was COVID hit. China happened, to quote Alan Partridge. Again, Jesus. Um, <laughs> basically, the... Uh, reduced police presence and reduced traffic on the roads made for a pretty perfect track. Uh, yeah. Like, Man, that, uh, that is an aspect of the way things are right now that I had not even remotely considered. Well, we're not allowed to drive anywhere, but during like stage three, did you drive anywhere? It was a dream. Yeah, like like going, going to the shops and um, you know, going to see my partner, Like that was about it. But it was like, yeah, going down Hoddle Street when there's no one around, oh, it's nice. Mental. Yeah, yeah. I was driving to and from St Kilda and Yarraville, and it was just like going on the. Oh motorway yeah, because you were moving. Yeah, the that, would have, that would have actually been the best time to move. It was it, it, quietly fantastic. Yeah, yeah, um, but yeah. So they, they sort of create a perfect storm of, of opportunities to break the record, and I, I, I believe I might have making this number up, but I believe it's been broken eleven times since November. Wow. Uh, yeah, okay. and if it's not that many, it's still like seven or eight. It's mental. So this is now not so much of a like scheduled event kind of situation as it is point to point. Give us a time trial. Yeah. So the thing is like that the the scheduled event kind of stopped happening. Um, yeah, I figured. And then the what happens now is people just do it and say, "Hey, I've done a run. Here's my proof." Yeah. So that's and, actually very similar to how video game speed running works. Is there's a leaderboard yeah. that is always up. You post a thing to say here's my time, here's my proof, and then there's moderators for a given game that will validate it. Yes, but imagine it's highly, highly illegal and dangerous. Yeah, 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 but, but, but it's that kind of like asynchronous nature of it where it doesn't require you to do it at a specific time within a specific yeah. event. It's just like, look, as long as you can back it up, fine. Yeah, that's it. it, it it's, it's really interesting because as well, like a lot of the press and stuff nowadays, like even the motoring press gives it quite a lot of like, uh, they're quite down on the cannonball run. Which makes a lot of sense because it's like it's a really risky thing to do and it's quite dangerous. It's not like 1971 when there was no fucking cars on the road. Yeah, and I feel even like then too, it was kind of dangerous. If you had something like car and driver being like, "Hey, the cannibal's great. Let's organize a thing around it," they'd be like, "Hey, stop being a magazine. Fucking go away, please." Yeah, and print media is hard enough these days. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> yeah. Um, so, as it happens, the record was broken this week. Or the okay. last week. <laughs> yeah. Um. In with a team of two, I believe, in an Audi S6, All which right. was, yeah, was, you know, it's pretty good. Um, modified the front end to look slightly like a Ford Taurus police car. Amazing. Yeah, so that they, for the average Joe, could like 
avoid detection. Yeah. Any cop with a sense of eyeballs um, could have said that it's obviously not a cop car. Is that an Audi badge on a Ford Taurus? What is going on? No, they literally put like a Ford badge oh, and stuff no. on the front. And like, <laughs> but it didn't. It, only the front half looked like a police car. Yeah. Yeah. Um, they also outfitted it with an absolute shit ton of police and radar detection devices. Of course. Uh, do you want to have a guess at the speed, at the time? So, bearing in mind the first cannibal run, 40 minutes, 57 40, 40 seconds. Hours. 40 hours, 53, was it, I believe? Yeah. Yep. Something like that. The second one was 35, 54. Four. Uh, just like a stock S6? My understanding was it was a stock S6, yeah. Okay. But open roads, limited police presence. Mm-hmm. And I, want say, and I want to say sub 30. 25 hours, 39 minutes. Yeah, okay. That's very impressive. It's very fast. Yeah. They had an average speed. Now, bearing in mind that the average speed is going to include quite a lot of time we have to stop yep. or we go quite slowly. An average speed of 180. Fuck. Yeah. I have never driven at that speed. I've, uh, I've gone. I've, 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 I've been in. I've been in cars that go at that speed. Yeah, I've I've gone, a hundred and eighty for a very short period of time. Yeah, I've not done but it for not, twenty-five hours and like, forty not minutes. Not a sustained thing. Yeah, Holy I've driven shit. at one hundred and sixty and been like, "Cool, I can do it." Let's not do that anymore. Yeah. Yep. Um. Uh. So yeah, that was very recent, and they got quite a lot of criticism for it because now is not the time to be diverting resources from the emergency services by causing accidents yeah. by driving at an average speed of 108 kilometers an hour. Yes. Mm-hmm. A Was very the... good and valid and reasonable point. Yes. And backward compatible with all the other attempts that have been happening over the last few months. Uh, yeah. <laughs> yeah. Still, so you like, it is very impressive. Yeah. I, I, I guess, you know, you look at like motorsport generally is like, um, a pretty good test bed for like new forms of automotive technology and vehicle endurance and all sorts of things and mm-hmm. driving a standard like stock consumer car model at an average speed of 180 kilometers an hour it's probably going to tell you some things about how good that model of car is yeah it's a really good point you know well, the previous the previous uh record break which was like in may was a uh, a rental mustang <laughs> of course it was a rental but also yeah. Mustangs have like a two-star safety rating. I would not touch that. Super terrifying. Yeah. Um, and my last little fact here is that the the fastest pre-war car to ever do the run uh, was a 1934 Model A, which Great. did it in 50 hours, 20 minutes. <laughs> oh. It's not bad. It, actually, it averaged at something what like... A um, delightful little jaunt. Yeah, it averaged at something like 80 kilometers an hour or something. Okay, yeah. Which I think, or maybe it was like 68 or something, and they were saying that fresh out of the factory, its top speed was 75. Right, okay. So like, <laughs> fair play. It did what it could. Yeah, it's the, It's a little Ford that could. Quite so. <laughs> and that is El Cannonball Run. I really love the flourish you put on closing that laptop and setting it to the side as you finish Thanks. the story. <laughs> so this wasn't an audio medium. I, I just hope the microphone picked it up because I certainly heard it. <laughs> oh, dear. Uh, well, I'm going to finish off this last little bit of beer. Yeah. It's really taken the edge off my afternoon. 
Yeah, I love that. Slash evening. And then um, any any closing thoughts or remarks? Man, it's... Uh, no. I mean, look, the beer's great. We went over that. We've both had it before. We know it's great, but... Uh, it I, really is. Yeah, if, look, you, if you can find it and get your hands on it. Yeah. Capital um, Brewing like, First Tracks. Also, that being said, anything by Capital, to, to my experience, has been fucking great. Like, even their standard beers are really good. Um, yeah. Yeah, they, they seem they seem like uh, decent people. Um, yeah, it, it, this is also make, making me want to go and do, like, more long drives again. I kind of miss that. You know, obviously, we're not yeah. allowed to, and there's a good reason for that, and we're staying at home, like, Two very good boys. Um, Mate, we got but, we got three weeks to go, and then I'm going to drive out into the Massenden Ranges. Yeah, it was actually like um, it was earlier this year. Um, we went for a drive up to like you know the the Redwood Forest, sort of up near sort of Black Spur, up that way. Some yeah, really, Black Spur is one of the best driving roads in Australia. Yeah, some really nice roads up there, just like sort of winding mountain roads. Taking you know a Ford Focus RS up there is a very good time. Um, mm-hmm. uh, yeah. I want to do more more stuff like that. Not necessarily something like this where we're trying to like race from point to point, but just nah, I'm, to get I'm, out I'm and just enjoy to driving out. again. Um, yeah, the, I've I've you know at at this job that I started what nearly two months ago, um, I've found a couple of people in the in the local team who are also car enthusiasts to an extent. Mm-hmm. Um, one, one of my friends uh, there was was saying, "Have you ever driven a Tesla?" And I was like, "No." As if I have had the chance, he's like, "Well, I've got a couple of friends that, that have one, so let's maybe try and tear that I really up." Thought you were so, say, well, I've got a couple. Well, he basically has people that have them in his in his circle. So there's mm. there's that stuff that's kind of starting to formulate. Um, there's there's one of the guys who was like doing a presentation about himself. He's like, oh, "I used to have this like holding club sport," and he was like referring to himself as a bogan, and now he's driving like a bmw 3 series or something um nice but he was like me he, he and i were talking about cars and he was reminiscing about his his uh his club sport and i was like yeah let me tell you about what i've got though <laughs> and then it was, it was a good time um but yeah it's just yeah. all of this is making me want to get out there and just get do some more it. driving i can yeah. feel it i uh yeah. yeah very very similar situation i think um as soon as we can again that's uh Go for a bit of a drive, get out to the countryside. Maybe just see some, you know, uh, see drive some to a brewery out in like regional Victoria. There's a few. So of them. we'll probably take this off air, but um, Kyneton has Holgate Brewery, and it's very fantastic. Nice out there. I'm sold. I like Hol- I like Holgate. I like a lot of what they've done. Done. I can also guarantee you that a we could do some camping, and b get a convoy of people that have appeared on this show. Even yeah, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> You want to make it content? <laughs> mm, we'll almost certainly put it on the socials. Anyway, hey, brew let's... camping trip Aww, one day. Cute. Let's call that a wrap. I think yeah. the, uh, if you want to see the eventual Hebrew camping trip, you're going to need to follow <laughs> us on our socials. They are Hebrew Podcast on. Excuse me, I'm full of stout. Um, Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram. That is Hebrew Podcast on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram. Mike. Yeah. Can you do the bit, please? Yeah, sorry. I was trying to think of like what we would call our, our camping trip. Like you got the cannibal run, <laughs> that, the Hebrew very leisurely drive. Um, I thought you were just leaving me hanging. I was no, like, no, no, he's no. done me. No, I was. my brain was in a very particular place. Um, similar to social media, if you want to uh, send us direct email correspondence, uh, you can do that using hello at Hebrew.zone. 
Uh, we will basically take anything. Uh, we may or may not read it out depending on what you send us. Uh, oh. There's also the website, which is heybrew.zone, uh, where you can find subscription links to all of the various platforms that we appear on, uh, as well as episodes and all sorts of other stuff there. It's basically like, it's your one-stop shop for all things Heybrew. It's got all the links to all of the stuff that we have. Uh, and don't forget, um, uh, as of the last episode, if you've got big things that you love, want to see, or have in your locality we'd like to hear about them and also we'd like to hear about you if you're not in england australia or new zealand and listen to this podcast so email us yeah yeah big big things sounds vague but uh listen to the last episode and you'll you'll find out more about that yeah we promise we're not mental (laughs) just just people sending us photos of like a really big tin of sardines or something just like look i found this in the shops Just, just people at costco yeah, basically. Yeah. <laughs> Just someone um, with a video from Costco, like, look at all these big things. That's not helpful. It's kind of cool, though. <laughs> we, want, we want to see weird statues of things that are way bigger than they have any right to be. Yeah, not three kilos of mayonnaise. No, that, that frankly is worse. Mm. That's too much mayonnaise. It is. I like mayonnaise. That's anyway, bad. this is going weird again. Um <laughs> Leave us ratings and reviews on your podcast platform of choice. We would really appreciate it, and we will read them out eventually. Yeah. Uh, thanks very much. Yeah. I don't really have anything else. Um, if you can, and it's safe, go drive somewhere. Do it for me. Do it for old Gil. You know what? Drive to a local brewery or bottle shop if you have the ability to do so. Support local. Keep, keep yeah. them going. Now, or if you have the ability to drive to one very, very, very far away, do that too, I guess. Yeah, yeah. I'm, 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 I'm trying to do what I can. Uh, it turns out Victorian beers are not making them making it far outside of Victoria. So uh, let's 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 drink them all. I say. I, I, I'm getting the message. Keep drinking beers, and I'm all right on board. Can do. Hey. All right. <laughs> this has been Hey Brew. My name has been Elliot. No, my wait, name, my name is Elliot. My name has been, still is, and will continue to be Mike. Done me. Thank you very much. Cheers. Cheers. I'm even decon- I'm even doing the like outro badly now. <laughs> That's like fine. I, I think it's what people come to expect from us is we'll stumble through the intro and the outro and the middle will be pretty good. I hope so. Um <laughs>